Welcome to Raidercast, the Tomb Raider-themed podcast that delves into the monsters, the myths, and the conspiracies of Lara Croft's world. I'm your host, Chris, and today I'm going to be taking you on a journey far away into the galaxy, where we can muse about a race of aliens who harnessed the immense power of meteorites in order to exact their will over reality itself. This is Tomb Raider Endgame. Before I begin, I want to say that this is obviously a thought experiment, just for fun. In no way do I think that what I'm about to talk about was at any point thought about by the developers over at Core Design or Crystal Dynamics. Yet, if it was, then I think it's the most subtle plot point hidden in plain sight. For a long time, I've wanted to lay down a coherent story arc for the Tomb Raider series. A way to link the games together beyond Lara, beyond the name Tomb Raider. Looking at things from the beginning, Tomb Raider 1 can be seen as a standalone game and story, as can Tomb Raider 2, and also Tomb Raider 3. Tomb Raider 4, 5 and 6, however, can quite nicely be seen as somewhat of a trilogy. Von Croy and Lara's rivalry make this a nice three-part story. However, you can even see another trilogy form within the first six games. Something hidden in the third game, expanded on in Tomb Raider 4, and concluded in Tomb Raider 5. I'm talking, of course, about the Iris artifact. It appears in the hidden trophy room of Tomb Raider 3, we see its origins in Cambodia from Tomb Raider 4, and we see Lara steal it from Von Croy in Tomb Raider 5's flashback level. So we can say Tomb Raider 3, 4, and 5 are a trilogy. We can say Tomb Raiders 4, 5, and 6 are a trilogy. But what about everything else? Does it even matter if they all tie nice and neatly together? Well, no, of course it doesn't really matter, but damn it, I'm going to try regardless. This theory only really applies to the core era, Tomb Raider 1 to 6, since try as some people will, you can't realistically thread Lara's life story together when it contains two or three or, heck, even now five different origin stories if you count the movies. I put it to you that one civilization from the core games are behind the events of each of the first six games. Indirectly perhaps, but still there. I know it sounds ambitious to try, but hear me out. The clues are hidden in each game's artifact. I'll try and go a bit in-depth with these so we can get as much out of them as possible. Let's start at the beginning. It was a cool summer morning when core design employee Toby Guard started to draw a character called- Okay, no, let's skip forwards a bit. Rulers of Atlantis. Now, this trio held an artifact called the Skion, an item that stored seemingly infinite knowledge and enough sustainable energy to power a gigantic genetic laboratory known as the Great Pyramid. Each of the three rulers of Atlantis held a piece of the Skion, which, when combined, would power up the pyramid. When placed on its plinth, it seems to hold some kind of low gravity power and hovers about a foot in the air. It's a cool sight, and quite important when you consider another vital clue from Tomb Raider 3. Skip forwards. A Chinese emperor harnesses the power of a magic dagger to shapeshift into a colossal dragon. We don't know much more about this other than its appearance. A long blade joined to an ornate draconic hilt. I don't remember there being much information on the Emperor from the start of Tomb Raider 2, so I did some digging. Places online state that he was, and 
please forgive my pronunciation, Qin Shi Huang, the first Qin emperor whose tomb is, in reality, found in the Chinese province of Xi'an. I don't remember this information ever being talked about in the game itself, but perhaps it was explained in supplementary material that was released around the game's release in 1997. Next, Tomb Raider 3, and possibly most importantly, a meteorite smashes into Earth and various ancient civilizations craft its precious stone into separate artifacts of immeasurable power. They're known as sources of energy, and for their transformative ability by everyone who owned one. The original meteorite crashed into modern-day Antarctica, and fragments found their way across the globe in the hands of different rulers who used their magnificent powers for their own gain. One gave the bearer the ability to levitate. One was used as an immense energy source. Another could form a powerful shield to protect its user. One bestowed a form of immortality. Now, over to ancient Egypt. The gods used an amulet as a divine locking device to keep an evil god contained. The god Horus uses the amulet of Horus to seal Set in a sarcophagus. They also use a divine suit of armour with the power to summon a god. I say summon, but I'll come back to that. Onwards to Rome. Here, we find the world-renowned Philosopher's Stone. In the world of Tomb Raider, this is a stunning red gemstone hewn from rock with the power of turning metals to gold, and fabled to provide immortality to its bearer. There's not a great deal of official backstory here, but there's no Nicholas Flamel in sight, judging by its appearance, however it's definitely been carved or cut from a larger geological formation. Finally, let's quickly dash over to Cambodia where an ancient civilization housed the iris, an artifact with the power to teleport someone from one place to another instantaneously. Kept deep inside one of their temples, the artifact levitated above its plinth, hidden inside an ancient, large and accurate map of Earth. Bear in mind, this would have been constructed before we as a species knew what the complete map of Earth looked like. Now those are all the artefacts in question, the ones with the clues. But what's so important about them? They're all so different, I hear you say. However, there is, if you'll excuse the pun, a rather marvellous answer to that. Fans of the Marvel movie series will recognise the Tesseract, Loki's staff, the stolen orb in Guardians of the Galaxy, the Aether, the Eye of Agamotto each one an object containing one of the powerful Infinity Stones. So, let me now jump in and say, what if these Tomb Raider artifacts are the Tesseracts, the Staves, the Orbs, the Aethers of Lara's universe? Impossible, the Marvel artifacts all contain powerful magical gemstones, the ones in Tomb Raider don't. Except they do. Think about it, the Skion is powered by glowing green crystals. The eyes in the Dagger of Xi'an are glowing purple gemstones, his hilt features a bright red gem. The meteorite artifacts and Philosopher's Stone speak for themselves. The Amulet of Horus is adorned with a bright red crystal, the armour has glowing purple eyes akin to that of the dagger. The iris is a glowing yellow gemstone protected by a rotating, multi-layered shell. So here's my theory. One race who used all of this technology, this magic, 
These powers that can unite as a subtle backstory and a story arc to each one of the core era Tomb Raider games. Who were they? While it would be easy to say, yeah, yeah, they're all just Atlantean tech, I think there's a deeper answer. The Nephilim. Here's the Tomb Raider 6 connection at last. Whereas the Atlanteans seem to be relatively mortal, as demonstrated by the deceased Kualapek and Tihokan in the original continuity, the Nephilim, at least as far as Corel is concerned, seem to have somehow mastered the art of persistently and annoyingly staying alive. They're an ancient, mysterious race who may have inhabited Earth for millennia. They're humanoid, pallid-skinned beings who, at least for the purpose of this thought experiment, harness the energy obtained from rare gems carved out of meteorites. They came to Earth in ships, potentially powered by Element 115, just as the UFO in Tomb Raider 3 is powered by the energy found in the meteorite shard. Those aliens that lay next to the craft in Area 51 aren't a visual far cry away from the Nephilim. They used the powers of different meteorite gems throughout their various civilizations on Earth. They used crystals to seal and lock up their own kind as with the Amulet of Horus. They potentially gained their immortality from Philosopher's Stone type crystals. Maybe they stored information in Skion type artifacts, using them like ancient hard drives. Is it too much to suppose that the green crystals from the meteorite or the meteorite artifacts are the same type of green crystals found on the Skion? The plot of Tomb Raider 3 tells us that the meteorite crystals play a part in changing our genetics and guiding evolution. Just as Dr. Willard proved when he transformed into a bizarre, horrifying giant spider when he embraced the power of these crystals. Think about it, a source of energy and a major link to something that alters genes. A crucial ingredient in giving energy to power the Great Pyramid of Atlantis. A building that's prime purpose is genetic experimentation. Evolution on steroids, as Lara said. Now let's look at Tomb Raider 2's dagger and its red gemstone. The other red crystal we see in the core games is the Philosopher's Stone, a gem which provides immortality. Now, when someone has used the dagger, aside from turning into a dragon, what is the other power bestowed on them? Yep, you guessed it, immortality. As long as that dagger is lodged inside them, the power of that red crystal is coursing through them, keeping them alive. Think about how many times Lara can shoot that dragon down and it keeps getting up again. Another red gemstone is the one in the Amulet of Horus, the artifact used to keep the evil god Set imprisoned, but also arguably stopping his death or divine destruction. He stays alive. We can even hop out of the main series and check out the Tomb Raider cartoon series Revisioned, which is available on YouTube and well worth a watch. One story named Angel Spit refers to a red crystal substance that acts as a panacea, a cure-all for any disease, discovered in an icy wasteland which could effectively keep anyone alive and protected against any life-limiting illness. Basically, another red crystal, another form of immortality. A big clue comes from the Tomb Raider 3 meteorite itself. What does it do when Lara finds it inside the cavern? It levitates. What power did Mad Tony gain from the meteorite in Firedastone in India? He could levitate. What did the Skion do? It levitated above its plinth. Like I said about the Iris, another potential meteorite crystal that also levitated. 
Now, the Nephilim in the lore of Angel of Darkness were shapeshifters. What else in the series can shapeshift? Let's think about the power of the Dagger of Xi'an. The bearer plunges it into themselves, the power of the purple gemstones pour into the willing victim, using the blade as a conduit, shapeshifting them into another creature. The Armour of Horus also had purple gemstones, also for eyes, and remember I mentioned something about the word summoned? Lara places this armour onto a statue which, had Seth not interfered, would effectively have turned the statue into a living being. That's basically shapeshifting right there. Thinking about this, we can even begin to piece together somewhat of a colour code for these artefacts. Green crystals, an energy source linked to genetics and evolution. Think of the Skion and the Infada artefact. Red crystals, immortality, invulnerability as long as they're used, like the Philosopher's Stone, the Dagger, the Amulet. Purple crystals are used for shapeshifting and transformation, such as in the dagger and the armour, and I'm willing to bet that if we'd seen another artefact with a yellow crystal like the iris, then that would have had the power of teleportation too. It's interesting to think about, if all just conjecture. What does it matter? It doesn't. Not ultimately. But for years, people have tried to link together the whole series. Like I said before, I don't think it can be done because of the fundamental differences in each version of Lara Croft. You can shout it from the heavens that Lara is the same Lara, but realistically, from her past, she isn't. She has differences that make it absolutely impossible to link all the games and stories based on her timeline, because her timeline has changed so much over the years. Living parents, dead parents, Von Croy, Conrad Roth, contradictions that don't work when you try and form a narrative. But you know what? If you take Lara out of the equation, then every game and every movie in this entire franchise would fit together quite nicely based on the Meteor Crystal Power Theory. Tomb Raider Legend's Excalibur Sword is powered by a green crystal within the Galali Key that gives energy to power up an ancient device that combines time travel and teleportation. We can even add a power crystal link between Underworld's Thor's Hammer and the Periap Shards from the Angel of Darkness. Both glow blue from meteorite-like material, both used with the purpose of slaying divine-like beings. Maybe we can add that one to the list, the blue meteorite crystals, they contain the power to kill immortal beings. Admittedly, I don't really know where 2013's reboot would fit within this theory. Separate perhaps, although easy to fit within the same universe. It does deal with immortality and soul transfer, but there's just no apparent crystal in sight anywhere. Rise of the Tomb Raider, a crystal that imbues eternal life to its bearer. Are we looking at just another meteoric variant of the Philosopher's Stone? Something that fell to Earth, referred to as the Divine Source, partially hewn from rock with strange, unearthly glyphs carved into its surface? It's something that could quite easily fit into the same universe as the core-era games. Shadow of the Tomb Raider, just like Tomb Raider 2, features a dagger that imbues special transformative powers into the person who plunges it into themselves, or into someone else. Granted, this one doesn't give shape-shifting powers, although it does seem to stop time if the unnaturally long eclipse towards the end of the game is anything to go by. 
To dig into this unifying theory once again, it could be said that any of the precious, potentially meteoric gems that adorn the hilts of daggers act as the power source and the blade acts like a conduit. But this time, I'd be willing to go further and say that both the blade and the silver box itself are carved from one meteorite. Check out some images of meteoric stone online, compare it to the box in particular. There are remarkable similarities, even to the degree that even if everything else I've said is ridiculous rambling, then I'd still be willing to bet the developers intended these two artifacts to appear like they were indeed carved from meteorite. After all, even the in-game myth hints at this one. A mural tells Lara that the silver box was forged in paradise and quote, brought to earth, a common reference to the space above as paradise or heavens. I'll even touch on the first Tomb Raider movie's artifact. The Triangle of Light, there's no mystery here, it openly explained that this artifact was carved from a meteorite. The item that powered it? Quite literally a tiny crystal with the power to alter time and reality. A magic crystal that came from a meteorite. But yes, finally I'll say it again, this is all just conjecture and conspiracy. We can enjoy seeing patterns and trying to piece everything together and tying together all of these mysteries, like a monomyth as Lara would call it. Even if everything that I've talked about is total nonsense, I hope it's been an interesting journey for you, uncovered some new bits and pieces of raider info and even made you think about these artifacts and unexplained backstories in a whole new way. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to RaiderCast on your preferred streaming platform, and follow along at RaiderCastPod on Twitter. See you next time!